Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You done dropped back in on the spot. This is the place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. Today we're going to talk about your babies. Your little itty bitty babies. Not them grown ones, <laughs> but the little ones. Early childhood education uh, is on the tip of everybody's tongue. And I'm going to talk to my minority, my people of color. You know, our kids are behind the eight ball when they go to school. Number one, they're going to substandard schools. They're not getting the benefits or the money or the resources or the teachers to really help them thrive. Uh, we got parents at home that are still talking goo goo gaga when you should be talking to them like regular people and reading to them encouraging them to be off the device, go outside and play in the dirt, uh, learn different things like we did once upon a time because that cultivates their mind. A person told me not too long ago that this generation is about 10 years developmentally delayed from what we were at that age. So the struggle is real. The funding is not coming into the communities. So what we have to do is each one must teach one. Folks got in-home daycares. I don't need a babysitter. You know, teach them how to do something. ABCs, one, two, threes, read to them because that enhances your business and it gives you a sense of purpose. You're not just their babysitter. You're their, you know, you're their mentor. You're their temporary mom or dad. The daycare provider might give them more love than they get at home. So we're going to talk about all that and then some with an expert. Uh, Daphne Booker Harris has been doing this, and she is doing it well. She is turning early childhood education and in-home daycares and daycare facilities on its head. And I'm so glad to have her here because this is so needed. Welcome to On the Edge. How are you, Mrs. Harris? I'm doing wonderful, and I am so glad to be here. I am so glad um, that uh, you invited me on the podcast to just share a little bit about early childhood education because I tell people all the time that early childhood educators are the unsung heroes, yes. right? They're the unsung heroes in the community. And I don't think the world realized until the pandemic happened that we were the unsung heroes because when everybody went home, they realized that they needed somebody to take care of them babies because the essential workers had to continue even in a pandemic. So I'm super excited to be able to share my expertise and the things about early childhood education that people just really don't know. Uh, and I'm glad to just be on your platform today. Well, you know what? And another thing that they uncovered, girl, they didn't know who them little people was that lived with them. <laughs> when, the, when the teachers wasn't going to school and they had to homeschool, the parents figured out how ignorant they were. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
they realize that all those notes that the teacher was sending home that your child was distracted and this, that, and the other, now they see what it is, how hard it is to do these things. But if you have, number one, a discipline, because kids need discipline. I'm not talking about corporal punishment, even though a little tap on the booty never hurt me. But um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a discipline. We're talking about a structure. We're talking about a routine. We're talking about respect. Teaching them to respect their little playmates, the teachers. You know, how to wash your hands. All these, these, these are simple, basic things that we thought that our children knew, and they don't know. So tell me a little bit about your experience and how you got started in the area of uh, childhood education. Well, I'm uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I grew up in, with my grandparents. My grandparents raised me and uh, my grandmother had a childcare center. Her and my grandfather had a childcare center. It was connected to the church when I was a, when I was small. And um, when I became an adult, you know, in my 20s, I was, you know, trying to, str I was kind of struggling trying to find my way in life and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And one day I sat down and said that whatever I do, that I wanted to make an impact on the world. And I started saying, writing down all the places that I've gone that left an impact on me as a child. And every fond memory that I had led back to my grandparents' childcare center. Mm. So that that spiked my interest. I said the most impactful time of my life was when I was in in childcare, right? So I started researching how to open a childcare center because now I'm an adult. And my grandparents is deceased. They're gone on the glory. So I don't have them to guide my hand to lead me to what I needed to do. So I started researching and taking classes. That was over 16 years ago. And I first started in my home because all I had was a passion and I had a dream. That's it. Because that's all I had. I didn't have no money. I didn't have any of that because I didn't even think past the money part, I just knew that I wanted to make an impact on children. And so I started in my home first over 16 years ago. And when I started in my home, I went from no children to seven children in 30 days and from, wow. from seven children to 14 children in 60 days, right? And so then as I grew in my home, I made it all the way up to 30 children. Wow. And I and I realized y'all, I did all of that and I didn't have license. Mm. I didn't have license, right? So I connected with a principal at an elementary school and she said, well, you can use my cafeteria to bring some of your children. But in the meantime, we're going to get your license. So I went through the process of becoming a licensed child care provider. And so once I became a licensed child care provider, they licensed me for seven children, y'all, seven uh -huh. kids. And I had 30, right? That, that didn't add up. That, that didn't add up like my seven and then I can have a few more to make it to 12. But I had like 30 kids that I was trying to. So 
I realized quickly that I I, I couldn't do the in-home thing because I had already maximized my potential in that area. So that's when I sought out to move to a commercial center and I started that journey. And in 2000, and in 2012, I opened my first commercial center, which is my OG location that I call my OG location is Daffy Duck Learning Academy. Um, And it's my nickname, which my family called me Duck. And I I took my first name and shortened it as Daffy. That's how I came up with the name. Because at that time, I didn't know how to create a name that was impactful to the world. I just knew that I wanted to take all the experience that I had as a child and give it back to other children. Mm -hmm. So that started my journey in the commercial setting in 2012. And when I tell you the first few years of entrepreneurship was a battle, it was a struggle. It was real because... I didn't really understand business, right? I knew how to care for children. And when I went through the process of opening my childcare center, the state gave me a book and said, these are the rules and regulations. And this is how you protect children and and keep them safe. And this is what's required. But nobody sat me down and said, as a entrepreneur, as a business owner, these are the things that's required of you. This is what's going to, this is what you're going to need to have in place to safeguard your business. And so for the first, you know, for the first 10 years of doing business, can I be, can I be transparent, Miss April? Please pull it off. (laughs) Pull it off. I'm going to tell you my story in a minute. So the first 10 years of business, I didn't really do business, y'all. I did business. Because I didn't really understand business, right? I didn't realize that I couldn't co-mingle funds. I didn't realize that I needed to use a EIN number instead of my social security number. Because I just told y'all all I had was a passion and a dream. That's it. And so my first few years of being an entrepreneur, I made a lot of mistakes along the way because I didn't see anybody that looked like me that was doing what I wanted to do and was doing it professionally, all right? right? right, I was doing it where you was really doing business. And so on that journey, I made a lot of mistakes. I went through lawsuits. I went through through losing staff. I went through losing children. I went through all of that. But in that journey, I said, once I learned this, once I really master early childhood education, because I've mastered that part, but I really don't know business. Right. Once I master business, I'm going to take it all back to people, to other entrepreneurs and teach them really how to do business in the early childhood education realm because I realized that they didn't, they didn't know how to do business because the early childhood has the stigma of being a babysitter, right? right. Exactly. It's la- it's label. Cause that's my, my deal girl. So, you know, Mr. Magnificent said, well, baby, you had, you had the baby. He said, and you don't want to go back to work. I said, I don't. I said, but I need some adult conversation or some other conversation. So I said, well, I'll, you know, open a little childcare. So I did. I went and got my license. I got my uh, information on how to get subsidized for the food program. Uh, I got myself a little extra liability insurance in case one of them slipped and bust a noodle. 
but all of that, but honey, what I didn't know was the amount of work and patience and tolerance. So I call myself, I get them all the same age. Girl, they all hungry at the same time. They all need to be changed at the same time. They all nap at the same time and they all wake back up at the same time. Mamas bring them when they sick because they get, they have to go to work. The kid you wanna you wanna be loving, you wanna nurture, and then you wanna hold them. Then the other one is jealous. Girl, I tell you, well, mine was short lived, about a year and a half, and I went and found a child care provider and took her. But let me tell you, I interviewed her. I looked at her surroundings. I showed up when she did not expect me, and that woman was so loving and caring to my daughter. My daughter started calling her mama. Sometimes I, my feelings wasn't hurt because those 40 hours a week, she was my child's mother. But my child was potty trained when she was ready within about three or four days with love. They fail to realize that that potty training is a discipline. Uh, it, it's You have to teach them just like walking and talking. And parents get so upset with that. Or they let that child be three years old still walking around in a pissy shitty diaper getting a yeast infection and all this kind of stuff. It, it's, it's a lot to this. And then the component, she taught her Spanish. She taught her love. I mean, when she went to kindergarten, they wanted to put her in first grade because she was prepared. So you went through this, you got the entrepreneur, you got your business. So now you're setting this up and you're teaching this to other entrepreneurs. What are some basic tips that a child care provider should know from the onset before even considering taking care of other people's kids? What are some things that they need to consider, Daphne? You know, just, just piggybacking on what you said, you know, you talked about, uh, you spoke from a pain point of uh, an entrepreneur that's trying to start and you spoke from a pain point of a parent, right? And so when you're starting out, that's what you have to think about. You have to think about what problem are you solving for your community? All right, now. You want to be a problem solver. You want to solve the problem of the people. But when you decide that what problem, when you identify what that problem is, you got to make sure you have systems in place, right? And when you talk about potty training, you have to have a potty training system. You can't just bring a child in your program and say, I'm a potty train them, and they're going to be potty trained about a certain length of time. No, you have to have a potty training system in order for it to work, in order for it to work. Because remember, kids learn by repetition. They learn by what they see every day. They learn by doing stuff over and over and over again. And all of that is a system. So when you're talking about opening a child care center, from potty training to your curriculum, to your circle time, to arts and craft, to everything that you do in your program has to be systemized, right? It has to operate off of a off of a system. Because you wonder why children, 
you 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 meet some children and they're so beyond their years you say oh my god they're so smart they know so much it's not because they're smarter than the next child it's because they've been put in a routine they've been put in a system that causes them to retain the information when they're under the age of five their brains are like little sponges they can remember a lot of things if you do it consistently you can't bring children in your program and do circle time on a monday then don't do it again to thursday and expect for them to leave there knowing all the foundation of things that they need to know no you have to have a routine where every day at nine o'clock we singing good morning good morning my name is because why that child will be able to articulate their first and last name because you did it every day. Girl, what cracked me up is when they say, I said, what's your mother's name? Mommy. <laughs> that's and, because, and, okay, that's because and, and their that's, not teaching it to them. They're not teaching them their name. They the child them needs them. to know your first and last name. They need to know their first and last name. They need to know their telephone number. They need to know their address. You need to teach them about stranger danger when they google and gaga okay you these are just basic things and then we expand into numbers and activities and letters and putting these letters together and reading to your child reading just transports you into another place and time yes when you talk about stranger danger and system, you know, talking about safety, we have a safety curriculum in my programs mm -hmm. where the parents sign off on the safety curriculum where we talk to them about safe touches and safe conversations and being put in dangerous situations. If you're put in a dangerous, dangerous situation and for any reason, if you're if you're um, removed from your parent or you separated from your parent, how they should respond to that. They'd be able, and, and in that, we have like little cue cards, right? Like little, little cards. And on those cards, we have the child name. They have their first last name. It has the parent first last name, the parent's address and their phone number and their date of birth. These are the basic things that we have on that emergency card and so when we teach them the the safety curriculum those are the things that we make sure if anybody asks you what's your name you don't say poo poo right 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 my name, poo -poo. my name pookie my name pookie <laughs> you're, <Who are> you? <laughs> you're able to say my name is jefferson david right my mom is to Keisha Jones, you know, they're able to say their parents' name because why? We went through it in the safety curriculum. That's a part of the curriculum that the parents sign off on their children to learn. And so that's what a lot of times they don't, uh, people don't realize the small things that early childhood education offers to children. You Have you ever been at the fair or a circus or somewhere and a child was separated from their parents and they stand well, let there? Tell, let me tell you what my child did. Let me tell you what my child did to me, and I came up out the ground. We in the we in the department store, and I tell you, they get away lickety split, and I couldn't find her, and I thought somebody had snatched her, you know. But I knew if they had snatched her, they'd bring her back because my child would kick, bite, scratch, and she gonna tell. Okay, I couldn't find her. I couldn't find her. I looked about thirty five minutes. Well, she called herself hiding from me in one of those roundabouts. She was hid up in the clothes girl when i found her my just my whole body just 
got contorted. She started screaming, don't beat me, don't beat me. Now she know I wasn't going to beat her until we got to the car. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. But uh, no, but don't beat me, don't beat me. And I said, Chanel, you have to stay close to mommy. You have to stay close to mommy. And parents, I don't care what you say, they will get away. You turn around and you grabbing something, you getting the ice cream, you getting the sandwich from the sandwich bar, and they are gone. Yes. They are and gone. So that, that's a part of our safety curriculum. You know, we teach the children about separation. If they get separated from their parents, what to do if you're separated from your parent? Not to continue to walk, to just stand in that one spot. And when an, an adult approach you, you tell them your name and your parent name and their number so they can contact them. Ask them, could they help you call your parent? These are some of the things that we teach them in the safety curriculum because I don't think parents realize that the small things is what the kids need to learn how to how how to do in order for them to be productive because life happens, right? Like you just said, yeah. your daughter got no. away. And well, what if? You know, kids, some kids don't know how to respond because they haven't been exposed to safety curriculums. That's why well, you Let me, let me interject and tell, tell you one more quick little story. <clears throat> and uh, this person's going to be mad, but I'm going to call him out because I was hotter than fish grease. My son, his daughters were traveling. They are traveling in the airport. The airport is one of the most dangerous places on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. And I said, son, I said, do they have identification? He looked at me. I said, somebody could say fire. Somebody could say bomb. Somebody could say uh, terrorist attack, shooting, anything. And these two are separated. They do not, they they are 13 and 15, and they did not know his phone number outside of in the device. I, they don't have ID. I said, what if they get sick? They have a military ID card that they show them, and the world's open up to them. We cannot assume, I told you, that these kids are 10 years developmentally delayed. Now, we're talking about a 13 and a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. you know? We're not talking about the, the 60 or 65-year-old that's got Alzheimer's or dementia. Okay, you got to tag them, too. You, got to re, you have to retrain them. But it is a training. Please take this seriously. The world is different now. Mm-hmm. Kids are lured away from you so i am so glad that this is a part and this is something that we are reiterating you know because this is a part of the learning process they do not come with instructions okay you've got children that have got autism you've got children that have other health challenges diabetes all this other stuff that we have to contend with that the child care provider or child care services take that on Make make sure your child has their insulin checked. They're going to make sure that if they have to take medication, that is their responsibility. You need to work in conjunction with them and have a watchful eye and be respectful of these people that are taking care of your children. Yes, there's going to be bad people wherever you go, whatever you do. But if you are working with the administration and there's something that come up strange, I would really, (laughs) I'm going to tell y'all something. I was talking and pre-interviewing uh, Daphne, and somebody opened that door. Baby, she said, wait, 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 wait. You don't open my door. She <laughs> makes sure, yeah. And I was like, okay. You know, I didn't know who she was talking to. When she came back, she said, oh, no. She said, 
My children's safety, they are in my protection. That comes first. You do not open my door for somebody unless you contact me. Now, see, that's that's care. That's care. She didn't care about nothing else but those children's safety. And I, I commend you for that. And also, the you business what, part of it. I was going to uh, piggyback off of that. You know, with everything that's going on in the world, with people going into these schools, you know, maniacs shooting up schools, you know, if you look it up, they shooting up childcare centers, elementary schools, because they have issues, uh, mental issues going on. And a lot of things could be prevented if the people at the top would put safety first. If you put put those things in place to protect the children and not allow any and everybody in your program, a lot of these incidents could have been prevented if you just don't let them in. Like we have a we have a. Uh, we have a, a device on the door where the door does not open on the outside or the inside. On the inside, you have to wave your hand in order for the door to open, in order for the door to open. And they can't open the door from the outside unless an employee has um, has a badge to open the door. And the parents before COVID, the parents will have a code to open the door. But now, since, you know, because of so many infectious disease, you had to kind of curb the, the people coming in and out the building. So the parents just have to bring the kids who have curbside. Well, they bring the kids to curbside and we bring the children in because of safety. And that's why I can proudly say that uh, our programs, you know, have not been affected by, you know, COVID, you know, so many kids getting sick simply because we have cut down on the amount of traffic in our programs and not allowing outsiders in because that's how infectious disease happened. That's how a whole pandemic happens because no, you don't have uh, provisions in place. All this, yeah. <laughs> you know, really. And, and and they, and they love on each other, you know, and and the boogies just and the boogies just trample. But I want to talk about the business. I want to go back to the business side of it because you know what, it's a business. Don't get it twisted. To take care of somebody's child and it's expensive. They were just talking about that yesterday, and I was telling my husband. I said I'm I'm about to talk to Daphne Harris about this. Uh, you know, in all in all transparency, sometimes. Parents opt not to go to work because of the cost of childcare. But we just explained to you all that that entails and then giving them a balanced meal. Mm -hmm. Teaching them how to eat fruits and vegetables, not just giving them cookies, not just sitting them in front of the cartoons all day, but interacting with them. That is a skill. And that needs to be, and that needs to be rewarded. That needs to be acknowledged. That needs to be recognized. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the, the dollars and cents aspect of it. What is the cost of an in-home daycare versus a center these days? Well, an uh, in-home daycare, um, a lot of a lot of in-home providers, um, they uh, have a base rate that they can uh, charge because um, they have different uh, rules and regulations in an in-home childcare center. So uh, depending on what state you're in right now, um, how much childcare costs. And some in some states, you can pay up to $375 a week or more for childcare. And so uh, in-home centers, 
charge, you know, anywhere between $175 to $200 a week, depending on their state. You know, in some states where the cost of living is higher, then you're going to pay more for childcare. Whereas when you're down south, it's still expensive, but it's not as expensive as where- It's expensive people- here in, in California. It is crazy, crazy. So I want to say, I think y'all market is about 400 and some dollars a week. Yeah. Infant. Yeah. It's like four hundred and some dollars a week for well, infant. Four hundred times four, that's sixteen hundred dollars. And then wait, sixteen hundred dollars. You're paying twenty two hundred for a one bedroom. You're paying seven dollars for gas. And so, what happens a lot of times is um, childcare is expensive. It, it it really is. And what we do in our programs, um, if we have parents that come in and they get a tour and we, we go over their childcare package that they're requesting, uh, and we see where they are financially and see, uh, if they say, oh my goodness, this is, you know, this is really expensive. Um, and I can't afford it. So at that point, we will uh, refer them to uh, the different programs. We'll look at their qualifications, ask them a few questions about their income and see what programs that they have that they qualify for. And we will help them uh, through the application process. And the process typically mm-hmm. takes anywhere between seven to 14 days to help offset some of that childcare costs. Um, a lot of times if their income is over, if their income is um, under a certain amount, they automatically qualify for a lot of the services that they have in place. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, a lot of the um, the COVID um, the COVID um, laws and that they have came in place that Biden has put in place for early childhood education. He have try he's tried to bridge the gap between work. And Chacker simply right. because what they're trying to do in these reform acts is to build uh, the economy back up by helping people go back to work. Yeah. And doing so is helping them find affordable childcare, where they're trying to make childcare affordable to parents. So they know that parents can't afford childcare because most of the time their income is not that 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 high. So they they probably... this is the this is the time of the great resignation. Girl, folks ain't wanting to go back because they're not finding the value. They can't yeah. keep up. You know, we had all this big hoopla about a minimum wage of fifteen fifty, which is still chump change. Okay, yeah. but. Then your gas goes up, your food goes up. And a lot of times, Brains, you hear this all the time. These children, the only well-balanced meal that they may get is at that child care center or at school. Our governor implemented that. I don't care whether you have, you can afford it or not. Every child will have breakfast and lunch at school. And that is there. And you see them and they don't have clothes or they have rashes or uh, they have been abused in some kind of way. I want to talk to you about that. And then I want to move on uh, to a little bit of some other great things that you're doing. But you have a right and a mandate to report if you see any of these things going on. I'm sure that that is one of the most difficult things. Number one, seeing the child every day, knowing that they're going through something at home, but be mandated to report on that. Yeah. That's one. Um, that's one of the most difficult things to uh, of my profession um, is to uh, report a parent, right? 
And so what, if it's abuse, uh, if they're being abused, um, we are mandated to report that. Um, if a child's safety is at stake, we are mandated to report that. Uh, so we do have to uh, report it and write reports and go through the process. And a lot of times what happens is, um, depending on the severity of the abuse, they're removed from those homes and they're put in a temporary situation where um, the state have to um, appoint someone to take care of them if they're if they don't have a family mem member in line to take um, to take care of them. And so, what have happened in our program before? Um, we we it wasn't abuse where the the parent was abusing the child. It was just taken it was negligence not bathing the child wasn't uh the child didn't have clean clothes and all of that and so I have a source I have a soft spot for removing parents from their children if there is a way that you can bridge that gap and try to help them and so what we did was uh, when I had a conversation with the young lady, I realized that she just simply did not know. Nobody taught her how to wash clothes. Nobody taught her how to um, bathe appropriately because she was 21 years old with four children. So she started having children at an early age and nobody really taught her how to be a mom. A baby teaching a baby. So what we did was get her into a parent uh, parenting classes and we also refer her into a program where they came out and they taught her how to wash dishes they taught her how to wash her clothes they taught her how to clean the house because nobody had taught her this because when she told me she sat down and said well my mom was on drugs I had no mom. I had nobody there to teach me me and my siblings raised ourselves we didn't take baths every day we didn't so she started raising her children the same way that she was raised so she thought and she thought because she's present that she's better than her mom but she didn't realize that she was really doing some of the same things it was a generation of things because they wasn't bathing she wasn't taking care of them properly she didn't realize that what she was doing was still a form of neglect mm -hmm. So what has to happen sometimes, you have to have a conversation to see where people are so you can have the resources to help them get out of where they are. Mm -hmm. So when I say my friend girl, she has a, a thing that she always say child care is a ministry. It is definitely that. Yes, and I feel like the ministry that I'm, the this ministry it is so much bigger than childcare. It's so much bigger than taking care of children and learning the foundation. Sometimes you're not only impacting the children, you're impacting their parents too. Because you're impacting they, an entire community. Because they don't know. They don't know. They don't know that every every time they get a new boyfriend, John, every week they, they with John and and giant Mr. and all these different men that it's not okay to to, to let them pick your kids up for childcare, you know, from the childcare center. It's your responsibility to say, hey, last week Jim picked them up. Now this week you're adding Bob. It's your responsibility to say, I'm not gonna allow that. 
This is what we're going to do. We need some consistency in these kids' lives because some of these young parents, they don't know. No, because their background, their back, where they came from. So sometimes when we think about early childhood education, a lot of times they're looking at the dollar amount, but they don't realize that the providers, the educators, we're more than just educators sometimes. Uh -huh. Sometimes we're counselors, we're resources, we're parents to, to, to those who don't have parents. You're, you're mentors for those who've never seen anybody that look like them, that uh -huh. know how to do things. Some young ladies don't know what direction they want to go, but it's our responsibility to say, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What do you want to do? Do you want to go to school to be a nurse? Do you want to be a teacher? Do you want to, uh, if you want to do hair, let's get your license. Let's look into a technical school. Do you know how good it feels when I encourage parents to go back to school and they walk in my program and they say, Miss Daphne, I'm in the nursing program. They beat the door down and say, I'm in the nursing program. So when I tell you early childhood education, is not only uh, a mission that I'm on just for children, it's to impact the whole families because Absolutely. some families just simply don't know. And it's our responsibility to educate them, to give them the resources. That's why you're supposed to have a resource department. That's why when a person walk in your program, you're supposed to have pamphlets to be able to tell them about firsthand, secondhand, thirdhand smoke. Because why? People don't know that smoking around kids affect kids. They think because they don't actually have the cigarette around them or they not smoking it it's okay no second and third hand smokes causes a lot of issues that's going on with children today exactly and they're just really not they're just you know people are running on automatic and i'm so glad and i hear the passion roar up in you this is something, no really i mean this is something that you live for it's not just about the dollars and cents it's not about that. And I have to make a little joke here a minute. They call you Daffy Duck, but honey, they should call you uh, Bugs Bunny because everybody ain't got cares like that, okay? I'm looking at that bling. You know? <laughs> I'm looking at that bling and I'm like, wow. Okay, but that is your blessing. And your blessing is bountiful because not only do you run, how many centers do you have? I have five centers and I'm still counting. Wow. And so you also mentor from the ground up, from A to Z, new uh, women or men that want to open a child care center. You take them systematically through the program, how to apply for grants, how to apply for their license, how to set it up. And that's one of your gifts. You have what, how many businesses? <laughs> me and my husband have about five different businesses See? um about five revenue streams brains now we're gonna talk to the entrepreneur <laughs> about five different businesses i i tell people all the time early childhood education has afforded me the opportunity to, to be able to invest in other arenas so the chakra side is my passion project and i tell people that's my passion project that's what i do because i love it you know, everything else I do to be able to uh, leave a legacy for my family. Mm -hmm. uh, but childcare is what I do for passion. And so being able to uh, take what I do in childcare and fund my my um, my legacy projects, it, it means a lot to me. 
It does. And, you know, it shows. It really shows. Daphne, I want to thank you for being here with me on the edge, sharing this information with my brains, getting us fired up. Uh, you know, just taking it back to the basics. Don't overthink it, brains. You've got resources. If you are a young parent that is struggling, uh, if you are, you know, an unexpected pregnancy, if you have to make choices about adoption, if you have to make choices about, uh, you know, life or death, uh, if you are in an abuse situation, reach out to people. Look at people like Daphne or her staff. Pull them to the side. Have a one-on-one. -on -one. Say, you know what, this is more than I can handle. But don't abuse your babies. Don't mistreat them. They do not deserve that. They did not ask to come here. And I'm sure that you didn't ask for your situation either. And we're going to talk about the ones that are affluent. Reach out and mentor other young women that you see struggling. You know, uh, again, like at Daphne said, teach her how to wash clothes. Teach her how to come in and cook a, a good meal. Have a conversation. Don't assume. Because when you make a, when you assume, you make an ass out of yourself. You don't know somebody else's story. You don't. And there is an opportunity for us to turn this thing called illiteracy and ignorance around. And it's just by asking questions and having a conversation like we've done here on The Edge. Daphne, please tell my brains how to get in contact with you. I'm in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> you can reach me uh, on Instagram. My name on Instagram is Daphne Booker Harris. And uh, that's Facebook and Instagram. But I want to just say one thing to your audience before I leave. I want to just say if you're listening and um, you see children around you and you see um, people around you that just need a little guidance, don't call your friend on the phone and talk to them about it and talk to them about it. I want to challenge you to do something to help change the lives of children because we see so many kids going through so many things we see on the news, but it's simply because nobody took the time out to just show them that they care, to guide them in the right direction. And that's what early childhood education is about. I want to challenge you. It's not just for early childhood education. As humanities, as a human, it's our God-given right. It's our responsibility to make sure that our children is being guided in the right direction. So when you get a chance, pour something back into our youth. Let them know that they can be better than their current situation because a lot of times they don't see anybody moving in a, in a positive direction, but just one conversation, one word of advice and, and guidance and just taking that time will change the life of our generations to come. That's it. It will, and we got to up-level them. We really do. We really do. Brains, I need you to love on yourself. Be gentle with your kids. Ask questions. Get an education. Do something special. Cuddle up with them with some popcorn. Read them a book, okay? Or let them read to you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Daphne. You are the best. Thank you. Bye, Brains. Thank you.